So we had an interesting week. Uh, Hope and I did. We we have been quite busy, actually, quite busy uh, with the church. Uh, we just bought a new house, and we it, it dawned on us. When was it? Friday night. It was Friday night. We looked at each other and we said, you know, we have not talked to each other for more than a 10-minute stretch in the last week. So in essence, microburst conversations. Anybody had those where you literally went throughout the whole week and it'd be like five minutes here, two minutes there, I need to do this, you need to do that, we blah, blah, and just went through the whole, didn't even, this is really bad, but as a pastor, you're supposed to pray a little bit more than 10 minutes at a time. And in this week, I felt it, I'm telling you. I mean, maybe that's why I have a sore throat. I don't know. But uh, I'm not going to get into condemnation over that. What I am going to say is that I felt that, and, and Hope felt that. And it wasn't a mean thing. We just said, my gosh, we have not really connected. We have not really communicated like we're used to. And when you're used to a standard, when you fall short of that standard, you feel it. And then it just hit me like a ton of bricks, and I thought it was ironic that I, the message is move closer to God. And I did real well in that department this week, but I neglected my wife. You guys look quiet. But now, when I say neglected, I'm, I, we have a standard. How many know we have to have a standard? You know, we on paper, on purpose, intentionally carve out time to spend with each other. And if it's just me talking for 10 minutes, how many understand that's a one-sided conversation? Yeah, it is. And so as I began to think about that, I thought, man, you know, here I am. I have to preach about moving closer to God, but yet I've fallen short a little bit this week in communicating with my wife. So you know what I did? I I said, you know what, Lord, I missed it. I'm excited. And you know what? We're planning out, you know, we're carving out time in our schedule. And and we already decided this. Uh, There's a day of the week where we're just, it's not only date night. We have one of those too, but we're going to have an intentional moment where we just sit there. We read together. We share our hearts. I know some of you guys who aren't that schmoopy. You're like, oh, my gosh, you make me want to barf. But you know what? The reality is you need to date her. She's your flower. Bloom her. Right? A lot of women said amen. <laughs> so this is all about relationship and our time with God very much the same way. Here's a couple questions I'm just going to start with. And, and this is a poignant one. But, and and you've got to understand my sense of humor when I ask this. But why are you here today? Let's just think about that. And, and I say this, maybe your spouse invited slash dragged you. Maybe your friend invited slash dragged you. Maybe your kids invited slash dragged you to kids' church because it's awesome. Life kids, if you want to serve, go ahead and serve back there because we have a great program, little commercial there for our wonderful facilities. Amen. But why are you here? Why are you here? Maybe it's because you want to know God better, and that's great. Maybe you want more information about him. That's great. But understand information about God does not transform. It's a start, but it does knowing more about God. You know how I know this? Because millions and millions of Christians know more about the Bible than I do, but they're not walking in the power that God has for them. Why? Because they don't experience God. Say experience. Now say this, I will experience him. My job and my mission, should you choose to accept it, is to get you to the place where you deeply crave and want time in the presence spent with him. Moving closer to God. You say, well, Ryan, that's great. I've heard a thousand sermons on that. 
Well, this today is the how-to. It's the practical. How do I get there? Ryan, I, I, I kind of do, but how do I get there? That's what I want to talk about today. How do we get there? And knowing, like I said, more information about God is a start, but it's not the final answer. What is then? James 4, 8, and this is one verse. James, 4, uh, James chapter 4, verse 8. The one verse I'm going to preach on, this whole this one little phrase, one little, this the whole message, and it's this, draw near to God. And he will what? Now, there's so much in that. There's so much in that. It seems so simple. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The thing is, though, is we have to ask ourselves the two questions. Uh, Who is he talking to? Well, first of all, in the context of the book of James, he was talking to Jewish believers dispersed over the kingdom there, over what they were in Roman oppression. So he's talking to the Jewish believers, but he realizes that the Jewish believers are struggling big time with sin and things keeping them from the presence of God. So you have uh, twofold meaning to this. One, with, you know, we need to draw near to God. But number two is, okay, if he's talking to Jewish believers, who does that apply to also? Well, it also applies to non-believers. So there's really two because uh, in a sense, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. How many understand no one comes to the Father except through the Son, but who draws them to the Son? The Lord does. The Holy Spirit brings people, and then they have a decision to make. So uh, here's where people miss it sometimes. You say, well, if the Holy Spirit's in me, which if you're a believer, he is, how do I draw nearer to him when he's already in me? How, how do I get nearer to him? And really, this is, this is the point. It's not that the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to talk about this. The Holy Spirit, let me settle this. If you're a believer, he doesn't depart every time you sin. But some of you act that way every time you sin. We're going to extract that root today. We're going to take that out because I, I, I want you to get this. I think it's just immensely, enormously critical that you understand how precious it is to spend time with God, but you're running from God because you don't value God. You say, well, Ryan, I'm a Christian. I've served. How many understand that there's a Mary and a Martha and there's people that will sit at the foot of Jesus and get filled up and then they'll go and do what Martha did. But if you're always doing and never practicing the presence of God, you will burn out. Slow down and enjoy Jesus. That's simple. Slow down and enjoy Jesus. So four things that uh, I want to talk about today, but uh, understand that draw near to God, that's a promise, but there are hindrances to that promise. Uh, there's a 2010 survey by the Pew Research Center that I looked this up. I could not believe this. It said atheists and agnostics outperformed every religious group of Americans in religious knowledge. The Pew Research Center, this was a 2010 survey. It also said about 70% of Christians go an entire week without reading one scripture. Now, this isn't to put condemnation on you. I'm trying to create a compelling reason why we have to stop doing, if we always do what we always did, we'll always get what we always got. And if you don't like what you've gotten, let's change. And the power is in the presence of Jesus. It's marinating in his presence. Four things that that study reveals. You can know the Bible without knowing Jesus. Atheists have proven that. In fact, they've been twisting the word against our people for years. Enemies of the gospel may know it better than most Christians, but again, if they don't experience him, how are they to know? Where we need to be salt and light is we need to, get, we need to, we need to stop trying to win over an intellectual argument and we need to be the church. 
We need to operate in power. They go, I don't know what it is about this person, but something electrifying is about them, and I can't put my finger on it, but there's something about them, and I want to know what they've got. There's something honest about them. They admit their faults. My boss doesn't do that. There's something incredible about him, but I don't understand, and I want to know more. That is being salt and light. It reveals that study, I believe, that in many ways we're moving in the wrong direction. But if you know me, I don't like preaching the problem. I like preaching solution. So anybody can be a critic. Let's talk about how to change things. And I realize, watching my children this week, like a child, we hear over and over Jesus talking about, come to me as little children, as a child, with childlike faith. But we want to complicate things. And this week... Uh, you know, my kids, I'm so proud of my kids. I mean, one of them stood up to a bully. The other one gave the little girl that got picked on. This little girl at school got punched in the nose. And, and Faithy gave her her Build-A-Bear pet that was, like, precious to her. And I'm just thinking, oh, you know, when you think they're not getting it, they get it. And that you have one of those moments as a parent, you just want to go, oh. So immediately, Daddy took them to the ice cream store, loved them up, you know. <laughs> How many understand that our father's like that? He's good. And yet, we have moments where there's father time, daddy's in the house, but it's daddy time. We, we hug, we play, we throw them up in the air, they beat me up. But then there's a time where daddy speaks. So there's, there's different facets to that relationship. No, yes, no, yes, okay, no. And then there's hug and squeeze time. Every father in the house knows what I'm talking about. You see the difference? But there's aspects to that relationship. So it is with our father. In fact, uh, their uniqueness, each child, you're going to see, I'm, I'm going to be a shameless plug here, but I, I, I am leveraging the cuteness of my kids with you. Just, I'm going to show you, uh, because I, a I asked them a couple of questions this week and I, I just a little disclaimer. I did not coach them up with these answers. Just so you know, it wasn't like a hundred takes to do this, to get them to say what I wanted them to say. They honestly said that. Now there were some other ramblings that we edited out and, uh, but, uh, if we can, let's, uh, I asked him basically about experiencing God. Let's, let's, let's roll that video. What do you love most about God? I love most about God. How he created me so funny. He created you funny? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Marissa, how do you talk to God? Um, by praying. How do you pray? Well, by just talking to God. So you just talk to him? Yeah. Can you kind of tell me how you talk to him? Like how you talk to a friend. Really? A best friend, yeah. You do? Mm-hmm. Faith McKenzie, what do you love most about God? What do you absolutely love the most? When do you feel God the most? When do you feel he's most around you? When do you feel him the best? Sometimes when I'm like outside in the morning feeling the nice breeze. How often should the people that you're talking to, how often do you think they should pray and talk to God? Uh, a hundred times. A hundred times? Yes. Well, maybe like um, 20, 30 times a week. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. 
Do you have to do you have to talk to God or do you like to talk to God? We like to. It's our choice. And you like to talk to God? Mm-hmm. We don't have to, but we like to. And there are days where it's I'm Marissa, go to your room. I just a little qualifying statement there. We, you know, we don't have perfect kids, neither do you. But those are the kind of moments that just touch a dad's heart. You know, just just touch a dad's heart. And and I just it, it was so clear just talking to them. It's so simple, and yet we miss it. It's it's that, it's that innocent moment. Daddy, I'm struggling. And I need, I need your help. You realize it's that simple? But you know what? My kids don't sit there and, and pontificate the five different ways my daddy doesn't love me. They don't ask about the different aspects of our relationship. They just know that daddy loves, daddy cares. And that's profound. And, and so uh, practicing that relationship. And you know what's cool is about those two kids, you notice Faithy's a little bit more of the ham. I mean, she's... Now, Amaris is a very analytical. I mean, she likes to, you know, but Faith is more like, I'm going to make a joke and ask questions later. I mean, that's just her personality. And, and I love the uniqueness of them all. And you each are unique. The way you express yourself and move towards God is unique. Say, I'm unique. Now, some of you like to rock out in worship. I mean, I'm the one that unabashedly, if the, if the song's really kicking, I'm rocking, I'm, I'm I'm gyrating, I'm doing weird stuff sometimes, you know, not too bad, but you know what? I just learned I don't care. I'm not that other person. Another person may be there and they don't want to do that, but they're expressing themselves in a different way. It is not fair for me to look at someone else who's created differently and leverage that against them and say, God likes you less than me because I'm more spiritual. Here's what I'm going to break through some myths today. How many understand that everything can be spiritual? Outside of the direct act of sinning, everything can be spiritual. You can practice the presence of God in everyday life. When you're doing a sale, perhaps when you're talking to someone, whatever the case, it can be spiritual. You can commune with God in any place and at any time. So a couple of things that I want to talk to you about uh, in getting back to that verse. I want you to understand that when James was talking about this, we said the believer and the unbeliever. There's also the drifter, the person that knows God, God's dealing with them, he's talking to them about, you know, you're not plugged in, you're not in position where you want to be, and I want to bless you, I want to put you in that, that position of, of, of responsibility and greatness, I've got great plans for you, but you're out of position, and the best way to get in position is get at my feet, says the Lord. Because when you're at the feet, you're humble. When you're at the feet, you're submitting. When you're at the feet, things change. And so how do we practice that presence? How do we do that? The believer has God inside of him, but how can we draw near to him if he's already in us? That's a good question. It's seeking counsel of him, but more than that, it's seeking knowledge, but more than that, it's enjoying him, worshiping, experiencing him, loving him. But if your love's cold and you have to be honest about this, it's like going to a doctor. If your love's cold, you have to admit that, you know, I believe the transformative power so strongly. I've seen it so strongly in my life. I've had ample opportunity to let that love go cold over the last 10 years. 
every opportunity, offense, resentment, bad things, the why God, why questions. I've allowed every circumstance that you can think of, it seems like it's come again, to, to take me from the presence. But here's what I go back to. That's my daddy. And he loves me. And he loves you. And you have a plan. God has a plan for you. And here's the thing I want to ask you. Is Jesus around your life? Is he in your life? Or is Jesus your life? Around is different than just being around the church. Around Jesus is different than is he your life? And and, and again, I'm not poking or prodding to be mean. I'm just asking you the questions and I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to tell the story. And I think a lot of times we have these midnight of the soul experiences. I call it the midnight of the soul. It's when nothing seems to go right. That God seems 5,000 miles away. You've prayed the prayers. You've done every little religious formula that you know what to do. And you are out of gas. How many know what I'm talking about? You're cranking so hard. God, where are you? And it's in those moments, in the midnight of the soul, where I get quiet. And it's in those moments I've had some of the most profound revelations of my life. I can remember my story. Many of you know it. When I first came back to Jesus, I mean, every prayer I prayed, it was like, bam, 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 bam. Every prayer I prayed, just he was like there. He was just all on it. Uh, the first time I came back to God, this was in, in 01, three months coming back to him, I got a pay raise. I met my future wife and life was great. But then I got around Christians who talked me out of faith. <laughs> they said, no, no, you can't believe God like that. How sad. How sad. Because the more we begin to analyze God and try to explain this and explain that and listen to the voice vultures who say, you know, put shame on you for something bad's happening because you're a terrible heathen and a terrible sinner. You know what I say to that? Take that comment right back to hell where it came from. You are his precious. Guys, I'm going to ask you to say this, but you need to say this for your own good. Say, I'm precious. I need more bass. I'm precious. I'm precious. Now go, Pat, go. (laughs) The God moments. Where are you? Journal those. I mean, milestones. All throughout the Bible, you see, in fact, the Bible is a memorial stone. All throughout the Bible, you see memorials made, times of reflection. When you're in your midnight of the, of the soul, when you're in that moment and you feel God's a thousand miles away, you need to go back to your journal that you wrote when he brought you through the promised land, when he delivered you from the mountain, when he delivered you from the fiery trials. And you're here because you're questioning. You're saying, God, I've got a plan. I know that you're good. I know that deep down, but I see tsunamis and earthquakes and I'm questioning your goodness. And here's the thing that a lot of pastors don't give people permission to do. They don't allow them to ask those questions. Do you know that it's okay to ask those questions? How many of you know that it's okay to ask those questions? Then let's ask the next question. If, if that happens, then why do people get healed of cancer just like that? Why do people, why do Red Seas get parted? Why do amazing things happen to unextraordinary people? It is your story. It is his story. Your story is not your friend's story. It's your story. Now live it and be a part of his story. Do you understand when you start comparing yourself to Johnny over here or Susie over here, you're in dangerous, dangerous territory 
Bible says not to compare. You haven't walked through what they've walked through. You haven't done what they've done. You're not living their life. But God has a plan for yours, and he wants you here. Amen? Amen. So religious myth number one, God leaves me when I sin. I want to talk about condemnation. Hebrews 13, 5 answers that real quick. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version. Religious myth number one, God leaves me when I sin. For he himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Settled, end of story. That's not me, that's the word of God. And you have to understand that condemnation, it's not if you sin, it's when. How you handle that determines your intimacy and how close you come to the Father or how far apart he seems. Condemnation will keep you from the presence of God. It will also keep you out of the power of God. There was a brilliant young scholar years ago who was on a quest to know God. He was an information gatherer, brilliant lawyer, brilliant. Went to the, one of the finest universities of his day. And then one day, he had a terrifying experience, a lightning bolt struck on his way back to school. Just bam. And out of fear, because he didn't know any better, he said, God, I'll drop everything and I'll go into the ministry. And he did. And then year after year went by as he searched the scriptures. Year after year he went by. And everything. I mean, this person, he had his act together. He could have preached on, he could have out-preached anybody. He could have outdone anybody in works. And yet, to the point where he was nearly wrecked by condemnation. Oh, wretched man. You know who that guy was? Martin Luther. And then he got a revelation. By grace, you are saved through faith in Jesus. And all of a sudden, the condemnation and the works mentality, oh, I have, to, I have to be perfect before God so I can go boldly before the throne. No, 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 no. When you sin is the time you need to press in and go to him faster, stronger, closer. Because it's not if you sin, it's when. Pastor, do you sin? I'm not proud of it, but all the time. And any pastor that says he doesn't, my recommendation, find another church. There are no perfect people. That doesn't mean I practice sin. doesn't mean I don't learn from sin. But there's a difference in how I handle it. And I realize when I miss it, my first fleshy inclination is to run from God and to move away from God. But I'm telling you, you can move towards God. And that's where the power really is. Some of my greatest moments with my kids are after I discipline them. I, I, you know, we, we bring correction and then I love them up and I say, you know what? I'm so proud of you. That's after I spank them. And by the way, I do spank lovingly. It's not child abuse. If done properly, it's a little love tap on the thing. Won't hurt anybody. By the way, I never do that in anger. Never. You just calmly. Because that's our father. But some of you may have grown up. Your father may have beat the heck out of you. You may have had terrible circumstances, abused and whatever. 
And, and so your, your, your view of God is one that maybe Martin Luther had or someone else had that, that you know, he's just going to zap me with lightning bolts. It's not a, this isn't a fear of the Lord in the sense that he's going to just strike us all down. God died on the cross for your sins to remove fear from you, to bring you closer to him. So religious myth number one is smashed. We go to him, not from him. And then I think of the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter five. You can look it up for your studies. But here was this woman who had exhausted all resources. She had gone everywhere to get healed. And you have to understand that in that day with the issue of blood, she was considered unclean. To touch a prophet or a man of God like Jesus would, in, in that culture would mean that that person would become unclean. But the unclean woman risked it all, including death, stoned him. And she said, if I could just touch him. And she fought through the crowd and she touched him. And what was thought to be unclean, the clean man made her clean. She ran to God when her flesh was telling her to run away from it. But she had nothing to lose. All she had was Jesus. And that's more than enough. That is where the power is. The power and the spiritual vibrancy comes when you run to Jesus. That's where the miracles are. Religious myth number two. Spending time with God alone is too time-consuming. Now, what we're really saying here... Now, we wouldn't say this. None of you would say this. You, uh, well, you wouldn't say... Spending time with God is a waste of time. I, I can't imagine anybody in here that would say that, but yet our actions say that all the time. I talked about my wife and I earlier. It, here's the thing, and we're going to give you some practical tips at the end of the service, but if you don't put time with God on paper, on purpose, you know what will happen? Other things will creep in to take away that time. This is an absolute 100% scientific. How many have a calendar? Some of you don't. How many of you use your calendar? <laughs> okay. I, I will tell you this. Your calendar will escape you if you do not put down on paper, on purpose, or on your iPad, or whatever it may be. You put that down, and you schedule time with God. And, and again, I'm moving to the point where I want to show you how to do that, how to experience him when you do. But the fact is, Jesus spent a significant amount of alone time with God. So if the master did it, don't you think he expects us to do that? He needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, time in his presence, which is where the power is. If he needed to do that, we need to do that. And everything else needs to take a back seat. God first and everything else. And that's a, that's a, that's a constant reminder that we all have to, to wrestle with. You know, the heroes of the faith, Noah, David, Abraham, Moses, the Apostle Paul, as, I, as I've studied them and I've watched them, you know, they, they had certain things where they didn't get it all right. But they had extraordinary power because they had extraordinary time in the presence of the Almighty. The Bible says he's no respecter of persons. What he did for them, he will do for you. Some of you may have this idea that because you're not a pastor or a minister that you don't have power. Do you realize that's a lie? It's been perpetuated by the religious order of the day and Jesus Christ is saying enough. Walk in power and come to me. This is how you transform a region. I'm nobody special. We're just special because Jesus makes us special. You're special if you choose that power. If you choose that time in the presence, God will honor that time. He'll redeem it. And it's, it's critical that we get this. And, and I'll tell you, like in any relationship, if you don't diversify, how many understand it gets boring and stagnant? 
One of the things, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and uh, I was talking about, you know, sometimes it gets monotonous. I do kind of the, the Starbucks, I do the, the, the coffee circuit tour of putting a message together. It's just, I play classical music, and, and that's how I sometimes do my sermon work. But he said, you know, maybe you go up to Door County, you do something a little different to diversify, and, and, and he might redeem some of that time, because I said, yeah, man, sometimes it takes me 10, 15 hours. Believe it or not, I don't just show up here and just, you know, I'm not that spiritual. I actually need to study, you know, but it, it freshen it up. And I'm like, wow, yeah, that's great. That's a, that's a great tip. You know that you can get into a prayer rut. You're, you know, you get in your little formula. Okay, my, I got it's 6.05. I got my coffee going right here. And then I walk over here and then this and I do my five minutes of devotion and I'm not saying that's all bad, but how many understand if you don't shake it up, sometimes it becomes a religious ritual and you check out while you're going through it. Anybody ever read the Bible and not know a thing of what they just read? I mean, I've done it. I've gone like 15 minutes of like, oh, that's right. and I punch my religious time card and I'm done. And I'm thinking, I'm the dumber for that, you know, because I didn't, I didn't absorb that. And I wasted 15 minutes when we've got this precious word here that can change your life. We just don't value it like we should. And by the way, if you're an enemy of God, wouldn't that be exactly the battle plan that you would want to keep you from the word, keep you from the presence? I mean, wouldn't you want to create all kinds of circumstances and distractions and things to keep us from that? Some of you may experience God better in nature, your car, a field, a lake. I mean, I was right, I was today, I was on my little prayer walk this morning and uh, right by the Fox River it's just beautiful. The sun was coming over. I was playing some, some, some worship things. And you know how you just have those pristine moments where just the world just seems like a beautiful place? I just wanted to capture that. There's vibrancy in that. What turns your crank? Maybe it's going to a Brewers game. Maybe it's going to this Packer game. Of course, you'd be hard-pressed to get in there at this point. But uh, yelling your hand. Do you realize that you, know, you can have a great time and enjoy life and anything, any of God's gifts? Everything can be spiritual. It can. Having a great time in a game, talking to a friend, giving an encouraging word when they're down. You know that you, I experience God many times when I'm getting outside of myself and I'm serving someone else. God shows up in extraordinary ways. That is something we can do. Religious myth number four, spending time with God in church is my only spiritual act of worship. Wrong, 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 and wrong. Truth is, God is with us all the times, even when we sin. We move closer to God when we take a step. You have to take a step. But as I said, sometimes that first step, remember Indiana Jones, got to take a step. Now, I don't believe that there's a thing right there because I would crash right into dawn if I, if, I, if I step there. Maybe I'm a little faith. Maybe one day I'll take a step and there will be a stair there. I don't want to run into Mike either. But my point is, is that when we move closer to God, do you know that every time I've done that, he showed up? But maybe not the way I thought he would in different ways. How, okay, Ryan, you've created it. I get it. You've hammered on this. Okay, I need, to, I need to prioritize God and I need to do that. Okay, I get it. Great. Now, how do I do that? I'm so glad you asked. Day number one, uh, seven days, we're going to give you these cards. We have these here. You guys, you see these here? Are they at the front? On your way out, I want you to pick these up. 
It's a uh, nice little book thing. You can put it to separate your book. But we created this because I just want you to practice this. Seven days move closer to God. And the first one, the first day, it plan your God time. And I, I talked about planning your God time. Make a daily appointment. That would be the first thing. Also, uh, there's, a, there's, there's devotionals that I want you to use to look at. There's one called version. Version. It's a, it's, a, it's a Bible application you can use on your phones, on your computer. Download it. It's phenomenal. They have devotions on there uh, that, that are real quick and concise that you can download. So Uversion is, is another tip there. And again, here's a, here's a high-value bonus tip. Date God in a different environment. Shake it up every once in a while. As I said, you can go to a lake, a park, the woods, maybe a different city. Day two, start a journal. Now, I'm not going to ask how many of you journal here because actually I've been a little slack in this, but I will tell you again, day two, start a journal. Start writing down some of the things God's showing you in Scripture. Maybe, you, maybe it's from today. Maybe you say, gosh, Pastor Ryan really hit on this. I'm going to write this down and I'm going to practice that. Start a journal. God will bring that back to you later on down the road. Day three, learn to be still. Now, this is one. As I said, different people have different things. Some people, they, they love to be quiet and still, and they can sit there for hours and not say a word. Some of you, though, are probably like me, and you've got 5,000 things going on at once, and you're sitting there, and the last thing you want to do is be still. I mean, you're a hard charger. You're going, you're cranking, and you think, now, I'm not saying do this. Um, I'm not saying that. I'm saying just be quiet. And listen to what God has to say. Maybe read a scripture and see what he has to say. But literally, physically, don't say a word for five minutes. Now, here's the thing. When you do that, you'll feel it. If you don't do that, if you've not done that, you'll feel this. And then all of a sudden, when you begin that, time... And again, this isn't a legalistic thing. Everybody's wired differently. The point is, take a step. Say, I'm going to take a step. Okay? So if it's 10 minutes, you do 10 minutes, whatever it is for you, but start somewhere. Learn to be still. The Bible says it, be still and know that I'm God. Day four, pray for someone else out loud. This one will terrify some of you. Uh, you mean I have to pray for them out loud? What if they hear me? <laughs> I will tell you, <clears throat> permission if you're married or this and that, Start with your wife or your husband or your friend or, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, I just, you know, I'd like to pray for you. What? Speak up. Literally pray out loud. If you're not used to that, I mean, some of you may have had religious tradition just pounded in. Well, you know, it's just all actions. You never, ever say anything about God. After all, if you say anything about God, we're all hypocrites. And have you ever heard that lie before? Many times God says, speak, speak. And by the way, God doesn't always ask us to be comfortable. He asks us to be faithful. And when those moments come, he will show up in extraordinary ways. I can't tell you many times I was going to a, uh, a situation like in Minneapolis when I was doing street ministry, and a guy would be rolling a marijuana joint right in front of me as I was talking to him about Jesus, you know. And, uh, and I'm sitting there going, I hope I don't get shot. But you know what? He would listen. And I don't know what happened to him. I have no idea. I know what it did in me. It said that I, in any circumstances, I can have boldness. I can go where God calls me to be, even when I'm terrified. 
even when I, my circumstances aren't extraordinary, even when my circumstances are inconvenient. And I'm telling you, there were times because I made a commitment to the evangelism pastor there, minus 30 degrees on Hennepin Avenue. If you know where that is, you know there's all kinds of crispy critters that come out at Hennepin Avenue at 2 a.m. in the morning, 30 below sometimes. Because I made a commitment and God called me in that season to do that. Not everybody is. I'm not saying everybody is. Your marketplace can be your ministry. Just praying for a friend can be your ministry. These are the things I want to challenge you to do. Day four, pray for somebody else. Day five, investigate an issue that interests you. Investigate an interest that in, issue that interests you. You can pick a Bible-related topic, but it doesn't have to be. Some of you may have a passion for something. Follow that. Who do you think put that in you? If he's telling you to start a drug cartel, that's not God. <laughs> but if he's telling you to explore something that just, man, I just love biking, it's just all over me, explore that and ask God to come into that. If, he, if, if, it's, if it's hiking, if it's, this is practicing the presence. Again, everything is spiritual. Don't get so spiritual where you're not spiritual. And don't try to out-God each other, just be. I think sometimes, you know, the onward Christian soldiers march, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm punching in my religious duty. God wants authentic worship. Be yourself. Just be yourself. Quirks and all, but be yourself. After all, we're all quirky. We are. We have little idiosyncrasies. I could tell you mine. Remember the whole toilet paper outside, toilet paper inside, toothpaste in the middle, toothpaste squeeze from the there's things that bother me about that i don't know i'm quirky don't tell me you don't have weird stuff like that some of you have to have your food just just so around the edges like that and if it's a little bit out of alignment oh come on anyway Investigate an issue that interests you. Six, stretch your comfort zone. A couple of things. Invite someone to church, share Jesus, volunteer in a new area, start a workout routine, change a bad habit, go to bed earlier, limit TV media consumption. And I know for some of you, that's a stretch. It is for me too. It is for me too. And the last one, and I close with this, be still, but not only be still, dream big. Dream big and write it down. Heads bowed, eyes closed. When you're in the presence, he'll bring extraordinary ideas to you. He'll bring you favor. He'll bring you uh, all kinds of things that you have no idea what being in the presence, that power can bring to you. If you just take a step, move closer to God. I believe this is one of the most foundational messages that we all need to hear. But first of all, before I, we move on anywhere else, the Lord was prompting me to ask you this question. Do you know my son? Do you know Jesus? Here's the thing I want to ask you. If you don't, if you don't know Jesus, and not only that, if you don't know that if you were to die today, you would go to heaven. I just want to settle that because our God is a gracious God. He'll forgive any sin. There's nothing that he, nothing that the blood of Jesus can't cover. 